Hi, and welcome to a special edition of Ramblings with Ravensfire. I, as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Roxy. Uh, today we are going to actually be introducing a new podcast that I'm going to be doing called Adulting with Autism. This will not be a every week thing. Uh, this will be a bi-weekly podcast because even though autism impacts my life weekly or every day, mm-hmm. it's not something I can talk about every week. It takes a strain on me. But Roxy will be joining me like normal. Uh, she will be joining as my mental health. I was I had called her my mental health counselor before, but she's actually <laughs> she is actually our. I'm men- her support person. No, you're, you're my. Not- yeah. Well, that too. But no, <laughs> you're Sub- my um, subject matter expert. Yeah. Because you actually have a background in mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, start off with a little bit about myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, I've talked about this before on previous podcasts. When I was younger, I was diagnosed with all sorts of learning disabilities. And as you know, especially 40-some years ago, uh, let's see, I'm 44, so uh, 40-some years ago, girls were not frequently diagnosed with autism. So Unless it was the really bad nonverbal cases. Yes. So to get diagnosed with anything, really, uh, I was diagnosed with um, severe learning disability, attention deficit disorder, and dyslexia. Um, it looks like it runs on my dad's side of the family. Uh, severe enough that on um, one of his children, he actually tried to get disability for them. Mm-hmm. He actually tried to get the state to pay for them. Let's reiterate that. One of his children from another woman because he was kind of a philanderer that way. Uh, yes, I don't I, I don't even know my dad. Uh, that is a point of contention is I don't know my dad. Uh, the methods that we found out about this were not exceptionally legal. Uh, the, <laughs> they were legal. It was just counting. No, it wasn't. Uh, my well, godmother oh. worked for Social Security, but she is dead now, so it doesn't really matter. That no. is true. Uh, she, we she, didn't do anything illegal. I didn't do it. Somebody I wasn't did, even. Somebody did something sneaky. slightly illegal and told my mom because, you know, she could. Yeah. And, oh, my. <laughs> Anyways, that went off but, on a tangent. But anyway, um, and then when I was in my teen years, uh, I had a very, very, very severe emotional break because again like normal things would happen uh teens hormones something very very uncontrollable happened that was very bad at the time and i had to go see uh, a psychiatrist uh quite a few times actually and that's when the autism diagnosis came into play so Now we will get into real statistics, and that is that one in 36 children nowadays are diagnosed with autism because the, the, um, words, I need real words. Oh, the The, knowledge is there. Yes, there's more, there's more clinicians and Mm -hmm. the knowledge base is actually there. Right. 
we now have 5.4 million adults that mm -hmm. are getting diagnosed. We have 5.4 million adults that are out there that are now known to have autism. Mm -hmm. and that are people like me out mm -hmm. there in their 30s and 40s and 50s, mm -hmm. 60s, that are now known to have autism. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a problem still with getting diagnosed. Right. And that is that, because mm -hmm. I was looking this up, and there is no definitive criteria for therapists, mm -hmm. for, for a therapist to diagnose an adult. Mm -hmm. So you go and you get in, you're like, okay, I need to go and I have to get diagnosed, whether it's for mm -hmm. work or for disability, something like that. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I have to go and find a therapist. The problem is there is no... There's nothing that a therapist has mm -hmm. to actually get qualified by. Right. They can go and say, "Oh, sure, I can, I can, I can say whether you're not you have autism," but they don't have to get certified. Okay. There's no autism certification for these therapists, so they could thoroughly suck. They could deny you. You could be on the autism spectrum, and these mm -hmm. therapists could be like, "Oh no, you don't have autism," because you could live in a shitty state. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say that I'm throwing that out there. And that's the other thing that's come up. That's really that's good is that they have decided, you know, they back back a while ago, now, if you were now, high functioning what they I, I know oh, you, you love know, I, I hate love, that term. You hate that term. We have a, a human condition that tends to try to turn things black and white, either or. Good, bad. So she was bringing me back around. Yeah, I am. So and that's that's part of the autism thing. And so what you would find out is back in the day, they, they used Asperger's as a way to identify people with high functioning autism. And then a while back, they decided at the DSM that they're not going to use Asperger's anymore because of the I think the that bad was in 2013. Because of the bad connection with, you know, Nazi, Nazi type people. Yeah. So bad things. So it was it was kind of a thing where the only people that you knew about being autistic were the people that you would show that were nonverbal or the, the the kids rocking in the corner that couldn't go to school and couldn't do all of this stuff and were very um, they would act out, be violent, whatever, especially with the boys. But then you had Asperger's, which then they said, oh, well, that's high functioning autism. But people need to remember autism is a spectrum Exactly. Which means it's not black, white, either or yin yang, none of that crap. It is a spectrum, a from A to Z, and it's an arc. So this and sometimes it's A, A, B, B, C, C, and a lot of <laughs> other things in there. So and I have to tell you, and a lot of us that are on the autistic spectrum mm -hmm. will agree. We hate the term high functioning yeah. because a neurotypical person mm -hmm never gets called high functioning neurotypical right that is annoying mm -hmm. i mean it is actually so classist mm -hmm. <laughs> i could go on about it all day yeah. roxy's heard me oh, yeah. um you know to to say oh are you, i mean and i have had people and they will say oh are you a high functioning aut autistic person and i want to look at them and say are you a high functioning normal person because you're mm -hmm. asking me a very stupid question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Considering that my IQ would probably, like, knock your socks off. What? It would. I know. I'm sorry. And I'm going to just say it. My IQ is probably higher than most of the people in this town. 
Okay. And it's true. But the important well, thing I'm to realize, sorry, I most know. of the people in this town never leave this town. Who are they marrying? <laughs> <laughs> so they are marrying the, their cousins. So again, it's that, true. That, that is one of the, that is one of the um, hallmarks of autism is to get caught up in a sub stack, so to speak, <laughs> data data dump and getting caught up in, in that. So okay, that's also the ADD. It's also the well, that could also be related. So <laughs> we're basically I, dealing with a situation where they're calling it like an explosion of autism diagnos- diagnoses that <laughs> is happening more and more often at a much higher percentage rate than it used to. And the argument is, is if it's genetic, why is it exploding versus it's always been there. Okay. But we didn't have the ability or the words to figure out the diagnosis. We all, we all know what it was like back in the day. You know, somebody always had a nephew, niece, cousin, or uncle that was special. And that's the one thing (laughs) You know, that's true. If you say someone is special, they immediately start treating you like you're like super autistic. Not. And if you want to know, <laughs> go back and listen to a previous podcast. Yes. We have a funny story about those. Oh, God, yes. And so, it is the dentist yeah. story. Yeah. But anyway, but um, those are funny stories, though. A little know, insulting, but funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just some. But that's some of the. The, the issues there's like this extra maze that you have to go through when you're autistic to to navigate a normal i'm gonna put that in little bunny ears universe <laughs> that expects certain responses and behaviors and learned responses and learned behaviors and if you don't meet those it can affect you in a lot of different arenas in real life in relationships, in interacting with people outside of your family, with uh, police interactions, with job and interactions. That's, and that's a lot of the stuff that we will be talking yes. about in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because I have, I know that like a lot of people might know me on Facebook mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it looks like I have shit together. But I have a lot of real fears. There's a lot of things I don't mm-hmm. express mm-hmm. all the time. Because Facebook is just social media. You get a snapshot of a life. And I give you a snapshot of what I want you to see. But I realize there's real fears that I have, too, that I Mm -hmm. never express on there. Because I also don't want to be a downer every day. But I live with this every day. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it gets really, really overwhelming. And I realize there's other people out there that are also living with these Mm-hmm. This this condition, I guess I could call it a condition, mm-hmm. um, that's living with this, that lives with autism there, mm-hmm. that lives with autism. And maybe they have the same fears I do. Mm-hmm. And maybe I can't help you. I can't help you. I'd, I have no answers because mm-hmm. we all live with it. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm going to, you know, wake up magically one day and be and not have autism. Right. It's just a part of who I am. But maybe you'll just know you're not alone. And everybody expresses their autism a little bit different. I mean, yeah, you know, for sure. you've, you've told me, you know, that you feel lucky because you have me to help. As yeah, a buffer, you. She you makes know. my phone calls for me. Right. So there's specific things that you don't do well with. You don't do well with, with I hate stress. phone calls. She will not talk on the phone with anybody. 
I, I, so I occasionally make my doctor's appointments to, to my one doctor mm-hmm. because the front desk ladies are really nice and know me now. But that's because you've known them. You've yeah. seen them personally and stuff like that. And they actually know me yeah. by my by my name. Mm-hmm. So when I call right. up and stuff. Um, sunglasses are a huge thing. That is her her shield to the outside universe because she does not make eye contact with anybody. And that's and, another thing. And you will notice there will be some autistic people like me that can't make any eye contact. And then there will be some that make over intense eye contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the I'm the type that and I hate this because apparently to like police officers and stuff. And this is one of my fears and we'll be getting into it Yeah, to police officers and I don't know, judges, things like that. But authority mm-hmm. figures, you they think that you're um, not trustworthy in the psychological you, yeah, world. If not you, making eye contact means that you're trying to hide something or are trying to not engage and it's it's and this it's, has been a lifelong issue i've had i mm-hmm. mean i have been teased about it in school mm-hmm. and everything else so when i finally could mm-hmm. escape from the time i left high school i have always wore sunglasses mm-hmm. you know but anytime someone tries to make me take them off it becomes a super uncomfortable event right and it becomes an issue when you have someone that feels like it's a a power thing to make eye contact. And that does oh God. That does bleed into job applications and work yeah. and dealing with uh customers and stuff like that. Because yeah. you know, we've seen we've all seen the million Karen videos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And for people with a certain personality or a certain mindset of who's superior or who's in charge they will actually push it to make eye contact and see it as being insulting or not paying enough attention to them or not being subservient enough. It just depends on the situation. And this can get quite um, dangerous and or or problematic, you know. So, you know, as a person with autism navigating the universe in the job market and stuff, I, I would assume I would see a lot of people that have trouble working it with the public or in or, public. Or like you, I was saying, too, you get the people mm-hmm. that have over-intense. Okay, and that can be weird and creepy to regular people because that is also uh, not Well, normal. yeah, because if you think that someone's just trying mm-hmm. to stare you down because mm-hmm. they're making over-intense mm-hmm. eye contact. So that's yep. something else we'll be discussing. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm just touching on it right now, but yeah. you know, those will be other things that we will be discussing, but that is actually mm-hmm. one of my really, mm-hmm. really big things. I call that the cat versus dog personality thingy. Yeah. Because cats, cats upset certain types of people, dudes mostly, um, <laughs> though they don't, they, they, cats are considered insolent creatures because they will stare you down. They will always win a staring contest. It's because they don't okay? blink. Dogs. <laughs> Dogs don't like to stare you straight in the eye. They consider it rude in doggy universe. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not saying that autistic people are dogs or cats, but it's hilarious because that personality, that ideal yeah. leads into other things. Yeah. So if you're stare if you're a human and you're staring at somebody too intently, it sets off Yeah. That's not right vibes. Okay, if you won't look at somebody that sets off not right vibes, and it's like because the neurotypical people have been wired a certain way. I know that, it's like, and and autistic mm-hmm. people have to figure out what the fuck mm-hmm. do you guys want from us? Yes, and it's funny <laughs> because they have entire classes 
in business and interactions and stuff where they say you're supposed to make this much eye contact but not more than this much and they'll actually have seconds of degrees of con eye contact to like be good at business that's bullshit it's, it's, i'm sorry that's it's, stupid yeah <laughs> That's so stupid. So, but anyway, but they're taught just as much as everybody else. It's it's all taught behavior. So, anyways, I think it's funny. Yeah, and it's you know. But we will be talking a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. We're just going to be going over different things that you mm -hmm. know, as an autistic person, and I can only mm -hmm. really talk about my type, right? The stuff that I have encountered. Mm -hmm. uh, on my types of version of the mm -hmm. spectrum. And it is a spectrum. I mean, there are things that I'm super chill about, and then there are things that set me off. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, uh, you know, anything, I, I like to write things down. I like to keep a certain schedule. I am not a morning person. I tried to keep a morning schedule. Um, I think that resulted in a mini meltdown one day. Mm -hmm. because I tried too hard to keep a morning schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, that did not work for me. Mm -hmm. I tried to actually overdo my schedule. I tried to keep over. So, you know, I have to find a fine line of a schedule. Mm -hmm. But I do like to keep a schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, if my schedule gets messed up, that can also result in a mini meltdown. Mm -hmm. And your comfort clothes. I love the hoodies. My, yeah. And luckily, we now live someplace where I can wear hoodies, hoodies mm -hmm. like year round and not melt. Yeah, and that that does. Come and there back are to, also health mm -hmm. problems that you don't realize yeah. actually accompany autism, mm -hmm. um, like the the EDS that mm -hmm. I have. Uh, autism is actually a comorbidity of EDS. So, do I have? autism because of the eds or do i have eds because of the autism is it a yin yang thing we'll never know <laughs> it's it's very uh, it's it's the, the thing is is i think a lot of people your age and older that when they didn't have this these words for spectrum autism or as or as they hate that the hated word the high functioning autistic people don't they even fuck with me on that i know they weren't diagnosed properly in the past so it's kind of those things where now you're a grown-up and now you're getting answers to all of your questions and why you felt different and why you have you react differently to certain things and um that's why you're doing this podcast because the younger kids now mostly in in, in are getting well, diagnosed but it's being diagnosed more in boys and girls so i still think there's a disparity there's always in, a disparity with in diagnosing dudes. children you know it, it's just it's just the way it is and i'm hoping someday they'll stop doing this but i think i'm hoping that people your age and older who have been trying to figure out why they're different, why they've had all these problems, why this, you know, society doesn't want to fit them into a nice, neat square peg. And they're like, no, I'm around, I'm around peg, not a square peg that you're trying to explain. Did you just mess up your metaphors? I did, but that's okay. Isn't it a square peg into a round hole? Hole, yeah. You're, actually, I think you guys are stars, the little star shaped one from the kitty toys. Yeah, I always yeah. tried to put those in the round hole too. <laughs> Everything try to go into the round hole, okay? But if you're but if you I don't know what that says about me. I was probably yeah. an early lesbian. If you are a grown-up and you haven't had the luck of, you know, being younger where the autism spectrum has been more dived into and more diagnosed and 
a lot of diagnosticians and a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists and clinicians have become aware of it and have caught it with children instead of you being labeled under a bunch of other different things. How you grew up and how you had to cope and all your coping mechanisms that you had to develop and how much support you had in your interaction with society is different than it is with kids that are now children and preteens that have grown up knowing it since they were little. Well, actually, and I'd like to bring this back around too, sure. unless you were trying to say this in a very long-winded way. I do that. <laughs> I think one of the things we were also discussing is, is that once you reach a certain age, mm-hmm. and I'm going to bring this back around to when I was diagnosed mm-hmm. as a teenager, I was diagnosed with autism as a teenager. Mm-hmm. They never offered me any resources. No. And now as an adult, I'm watching people. They're getting diagnosed. I don't know about other countries, so I'm not going to bring that in. But in the United States, unless you are severely autistic, there are still not a lot of resources for people like me, Mm -hmm. for people that can go out and live what they will call a functioning life. Mm -hmm. But we are still autistic. It still impacts our everyday life and how we function within society. Mm -hmm. They don't see the issues that we have, Mm -hmm. but they see that, oh, well, you can still go out and do things. Mm -hmm. So there's still not a lot of resources out there for us. You know, like one of the reasons, honestly, I never tried to go to college. I really didn't try to go to college. Um is because like I had a full scholarship. Here's the honest to tr- honest to God's truth. I had a full scholar full 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 scholarship to um the community college mm-hmm. in Albemarle. Mm-hmm. I could have gone free mm-hmm. except for possibly paying for some books. I could not figure out the college handbook. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out the 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 book. There mm-hmm. was nobody. It was just like, oh, go down and talk to the mm-hmm. to the college counselor. You know, they'll get you signed up. Blah blah blah. My mom wouldn't help me. Mm-hmm. Nobody would explain to me what I was supposed to do. There was, and you know, going and talking to a stranger. Yeah. Oh hell no. Yeah. You know that wasn't gonna happen. Now, and I'm really glad that there are, but now there are people that help the teenagers do this. Mm -hmm. They can make special appointments. There's actually people, they're like, oh, you're on the autistic spectrum. There's whole things that help them, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't then. No. So I didn't go. There wasn't anything to help me. I could not figure out the the catalog. I didn't know what courses I was supposed to take. Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you came along and you were like, oh, yeah, we could do this. And it was like, yeah, there was no chance they were going to give me the scholarship then, mm-hmm. you know. So and, you know, it didn't matter at that point. But that's how things like that, something so simple can be so impactful. It can. You know, and you don't realize. And But now those resources are there. But the problem is, is those resources are still not there once you're past a certain age. Right. And. Even if they, like they and if they are there, they're only there in big cities. Yeah. And in, only in a few. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking like maybe Denver might have some, maybe Baltimore, New York City, probably for sure. But they're not going to be there in places like where a lot of us might live, like out here. Mm-hmm. I live in a town of 666 people. 
there's not going to be resources here for me. No. You know? And then there's an assumption that if you've made it to this age, you've you've obviously figured out the universe. But they that don't is real- so not true. But they don't. The resource it. stumps me every day. There's a, you know, the like the day I had to go and open up a new bank account. That was so fucking traumatic. Mm-hmm. So stuff that's stressful to regular people is, is extra stressful. Almost yeah. unable to function. I mean, seriously, you want to know? You know, it's been two weeks since we've done a podcast. That should not have been that that big of a deal. It was honestly because it really finally started catching up everything. I have still been having to deal with the whole identity theft thing. Mm. And I finally just completely crashed from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been trying to set up a, a new career doing audiobooks. I could not focus on doing the podcast. And doing the audiobooks at the same time, my mind could not work that way. Mm-hmm. Even though it shouldn't have been that bad, come out here, record this for, you know, 30 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. But the autism was starting, you know, I just couldn't do it with the autism. Mm-hmm. I just, everything was going to start overwhelming me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where I started realizing I need to talk about this. I need to let people know they are not alone. Mm-hmm. Will this be one more thing that might overwhelm me? Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's why it's going to be Mm bi-weekly. Just so you know, that also means that the other podcast is going to be going bi-weekly too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ramblings with Raven's Fire will also be going bi-weekly now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, hope nobody minds. (laughs) (laughs) But I figure that is the only way I can keep everything going. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that also spilled over into like your book writing and stuff like that. Like it's it was almost like a an entire manic episode on your side of just write, 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 get a lot of things out of your head. But at a certain point, then with everything and that's going on in society and all of the stress and aggressive behaviors going on right now, it's very hard to and I think people don't to to do the writing now. And I think people don't realize because, again, I don't say much. I don't Mm -hmm. say much online Mm -hmm. is how much because I I pretty much try not to talk like politics or anything like that online. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think people realize, you know, I do notice I do pay attention and that kind of stuff does impact me, too. Um, You know, the one thing about autistic people is they think that because we don't form it's not easy for us to always connect with people is that we don't care, but we do. We actually care very deeply once we realize when we realize like, you know, um, anyone that's seen Roxy and I together or know Roxy and I, I mean, we've been together 22 years now. We're going on 23. Uh, anyone that has seen us together knows we are, very much in love. We love each other very much, very deeply connected, uh, literally spend 24 hours a day together. I don't really know how many couples do that without like wanting a divorce. So (laughs) we do pretty good. But it was very hard for you when I went from being the, the person that was like the type A work person, go crazy all over the place to hurting my back and you having to turn into caretaker. And it was like, all of a sudden, all of our roles were like 
flipped on its side. And actually, I think that was a harder adjustment for you because Mm -hmm. you realized that all of a sudden I could be a caretaker. Mm -hmm. And I think you you had to adjust to that more as yeah, as that. And that that was a huge life changing event. And yeah, but this isn't about you. No, it's not. <laughs> no, but 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 and sometimes it's a little stressful. Of it, course. It interrupts my sleep sometimes, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, not about this. I think that is an autistic. She wakes up to make sure I'm still breathing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of creepy when you wake up and they're staring at you going, I'm just making sure you're breathing. I stopped doing that. I started poking you instead. She does. Now she, now she pokes me if I'm, if I'm like choking, snoring or weird or something. And she's like, roll over. You're, you're, you're doing weird stuff. <laughs> oh, you have to realize. And I think this is an altitude thing. This is just a funny story to end okay. the podcast. Yeah. Okay. In North Carolina, when we were at really low altitude, you could shake the fucking rafters. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Snore galore. Okay. All right. It was like fucking white noise for me to sleep by. Oh. All right. I got used to it. We've moved up here. Air is thin. All of a sudden, she doesn't snore. So, yeah, I had to get used to the fact that all of a sudden she is sleeping silently as hell. So, excuse me if I have to make sure you're still breathing. She just leave them. Here on the side of the table. I know, right? Just check underneath to make sure you're still breathing with the mirror. (laughs) Except then there'd have to be mirrors in the house. It's it's really cool, though. But anyway, that's going to be our new podcast is Adulting with Autism. Thank you for listening. I hope that you will tune in bi-weekly. It'll still be on Sundays. And I hope that I like I said I won't have answers for people. It really will just be stories, and but I hope that it might help people not feel so alone. That's and, important. Yeah, and thank you, and tune in later, everyone. Later. <laughs>